0: Welcome to your daily cup of true crime in 15 minutes or less from Hot Crime Cold Coffee. Listener discretion advised due to sensitive material and some violence. These daily episodes are brought to you Monday through Friday, in addition to our regular weekly episodes that you can find on Wednesdays and Fridays.
1: Good morning, and today is September 15th. Yesterday's trivia question was, in which state is cannibalism illegal except in extreme survival situations? And the answer to that question is Idaho. Cannibalism is basically when you eat people, and it is illegal almost all over the world. You can still be charged even in survival situations, unless it is listed in the laws. One of the most well-known acts of cannibalism is the Donner Party in 1846 and 47, when they spent the winter snowbound in the Sierra Nevada mountains. They were on their way to California. They left extremely late, they were ill-prepared, and they were forced to eat each other in order to survive. Another well known incident was the plane crash of the Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571. It was bound for Chile on the 13th of October in 1972 and it crashed. It later became a movie, but many of the survivors were so ashamed that they had to resort to cannibalism to survive. I don't know if that's something that I could do. But then again, I've never been in that extreme of a survival situation before. Today's trivia question, and I'll have the answer for you tomorrow, is what is the name of the Green River serial killer?
0: Today in true crime history on September 15th of 1963... A bomb was detonated during Sunday school at the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama, known for its large African-American congregation. It was the third church bombing in 11 days, and four young girls were killed, 14-year-olds Addie Mae Collins, Cynthia Wesley, and Carol Robertson, and an 11-year-old little girl named Carol Denise McNair. A 10-year-old child, Sarah Collins, lost an eye, and 20 others were injured. The main perpetrator was a Ku Klux Klan member, Robert Chambliss. He was charged with the murder of the girls as well as buying dynamite for the bombing, but he was initially cleared of the actual murders and received only a six-month sentence and a $100 fine for the dynamite. An FBI investigation later found that three other men, Bobby Frank Cherry, Herman Cash, and Thomas E. Blanton Jr., were also involved in the the bombing. But J. Edgar Hoover blocked their prosecution. A battle for justice would continue for decades. Cash died in 1994 without being charged, and Chambliss was sentenced to life in prison for the murder in 1977. So that was almost 15 years later, if I'm doing the math right. And Cherry and Blanton received the same sentence after filing being charged in the year 2000. So one of the men never got convicted because he died in 1994 without being charged at all. And then one of them was charged in 1977 and the final two in the year 2000. That is ridiculous. And I didn't even, I don't even think it had to do with evidence or anything like that. It was just how the legal system was back then. And I think it's gotten better over the years. Racism was definitely involved. Also in crime history for today on September fifteenth, nineteen ninety-three, Catherine Ann Power surrendered to the authorities to face charges in a nineteen seventy bank robbery, in which Walter Schroeder, senior of the Boston Police, was killed. She had been on the run for over twenty-three years. She was born on January twenty-fifth of nineteen forty-nine and was also known as May Kelly and Alice Louise Metzinger. In the middle of a bank robbery in Brighton, Massachusetts, in 1970, a Boston police officer was accidentally shot. She finally turned herself into the authorities in 1993 after starting a new life in Oregon. She pled guilty and was imprisoned in Massachusetts. For six years before being released on 14 years probation. That is a long time to be on the run. I think it might have been easier back in the day to kind of disappear. Seems like in the 70s and 80s there was a lot of crime that happened. That people could just disappear and no one would know about them. There were still a lot of wide open spaces. I mean look at the Unabomber you know, living in Montana for so long and no one even had a clue. And last but not least, on September 15th in 1998, a man was convicted of strangling his three-year-old granddaughter because she had licked all of the icing off of the cupcakes. David Andrew Douglas, was supposed to watch his granddaughter. He, when he got to the house, he had already been drinking and he was what he called himself a closet alcoholic. And he also claimed to have blacked out. When he found her eating the icing from the cupcakes, he just kind of flew into a rage. She started crying and he ended up strangling her. Initially, he reported that she had disappeared and must have wandered away while he was taking a nap. They were able to convict him because of a paper bag with a fingerprint of David Andrew Douglas's found near the body, as well as an amp- empty brandy bottle. Try saying some of these names like 10 times fast. It's ridiculous. Lots of tongue twisters. Not much new in crime headlines for today, but it's the fourth day of the George Wagner Fourth trial who is on trial right now for the murders of eight people. It's also known as the Pike County Massacre, and all of them were related. I've watched a little bit of it because a lot of it is live-streamed, and I've had to turn it off. It's been extremely hard to listen to some of the testimonies of what exactly happened. But um, the first week of the trial should be done by tomorrow. I'm not sure how long it's estimated for it will be for a couple of weeks. And then his father still needs to stand trial as well because his brother, Jake, already pled guilty in exchange for no one to face the death penalty. And then their mother, Angela, already pled guilty as well. I finally finished the new documentary on Netflix about Lori Vallo Daybell, Sins of Our Mother, and there wasn't a lot of new information. I felt it was done extremely well, but the this director has done some amazing work in the past, so I already felt it was going to be pretty good. The third episode, episode because there's three parts was probably the hardest they bring up a lot of the recordings from the initial indictment and it's extremely hard to listen to but I do recommend it if you have interest in this case because It brings up a lot of good information and it brings some sense to it just because this case continues to have so many new things. Today at 9 o'clock will be the hearing in Idaho against the motion to deny video cameras and live streaming of the proceedings. East Idaho News and 32 other media outlets including Dateline, CNN, and a few of the other really big ones. They're fighting this motion because they feel that the public has the right to view and listen to the trial as well as they feel that if they can't record and they can't live stream. It is against the freedom of the press, which is part of the Constitution. So make sure you tune in to that. And tomorrow I'll have a little bit more for you. Also, tomorrow will be part two of Lori Vallow's personal history. So we'll talk to you tomorrow. Cheers.